for your love. Thank you for, thank you for saving a no wretched sinner like me, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you would go with us through the remainder of this service. Thank you, Lord, for those that are present this morning. And I pray, Lord, you'd, you'd forgive us where we sin and fail you and that you'd remind us always, Lord, to give you praise, honor, and glory for everything. We love you so very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, folks, I don't think I've ever come in this building. I've been here a long, long time. Longer than I care to longer than I care to think about. But I don't think I've ever come through the doors of this building that I've not felt that precious spirit in my heart. I'm so thankful this morning for this place. I'm thankful for you. And I and I pray, I pray that we can worship him this morning in spirit and truth. I'm so thankful my sins are gone. Amen. Let me sing now. You ask why I am happy, so I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. And when I meet the scoffers who ask me where they are, I say, my sins are gone. sins away he wrote my name amen hallelujah in the book of life
songs and I thought about the I thought about the love of God, amen and I've asked Brother Jimmy to sing this song this morning the love of God is greater far than we ever know, amen you pray for Brother Jimmy, then Brother Bill and Miss Brooke this morning Oh. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you.
Boy, I'm glad he's blessed me more than I deserve. It's good to see everybody this morning. All smiles and sun shining was was shining brightly earlier, but uh, it's good to be saved and be in the Lord's house. You know, no matter where we're at in life right now, we still lift our hands up toward heaven and say, God has blessed me more than I deserve, and he he is owed all the glory and honor and praise that we can give him uh, each day. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel so unworthy. But then the Lord reminds me that what he did on the cross made me worthy. <laughs> I don't understand it, but I thank the Lord for it. You know, he's not judging us by what we are right now. He's judging us by what we will be. Uh, one of these days. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapters 11. Hebrews chapters 11. I want to speak to you for a few moments on something that uh, I think will be a help to us, especially in the days that we're in right now. And uh, kind of want read, to read it a little bit different than uh, instead of reading all the verses, but I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, and then I'm just going to read the first parts of the next few verses, and then come down to my text uh, for this morning. The Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith... We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Verse 4, by faith, Abel. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch. Verse 7, by faith, Noah. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham. Verse 9, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. Then verse 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered a child. Verse 13 is my text through 16. These all died in faith. I want you to notice that. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. <laughs> And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. Boy, I like verse 16. I don't know about you, but I desire a better country, a better city, a better place. And the Bible said that it that is an heavenly one. <laughs> Not just any old place, it's a heavenly place. But boy, I like the last part of this, and I just can't seem to turn loose of the last part of this verse all week. Notice what it says. Wherefore 
God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. Now, I don't know about you, but man, he's already prepared us a city. It's already prepared. And he's prepared it for those that belong to him and those that know him. But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly. And man, I, I like that. Now, I, I'm going to go back into chapters 10 here in just a few minutes. Everything in this sermon this morning is about heaven. And if you don't believe in heaven, there are a lot in this sermon that won't make sense to you. Because a lot of the things that we do as God's children can only be explained because we believe in heaven. Because we believe in the Lord and we know him as our personal Savior. And one of the things about it is, is we believe in a place that, that you can't see, physically see, feel, touch. I mean, uh, I mean, we can't even grasp the thoughts. We can't even use our five senses when we think about this place called heaven in this place that we live in right now. And I want you to know that their heaven by definition lies beyond the veil of this visible, seen, touchable, tangible, extremely real to us world. It is different than what we know down here. And boy, can I just tell you right here that especially if it's not provable by, by the means of the ordinary things that we would normally use that we would say would be proof according to our senses. But I want you to wrap your mind around the thought that I want to preach on this morning. And here it is. Why, why? Do we pre keep pressing on? Why do we keep pressing on? I mean, we've went through a year of COVID. It's turned the world upside down, and we never and we face things we never thought we would face. But how can we keep pressing on? Well, the verses here in Hebrews gives us the answers, and I've got three answers to that question this morning. You see, the life of faith, the reason we believe in heaven is because we walk by faith and not by sight. The reason that we believe in heaven is because God said it was a real, literal place, and that settles it. If God said it was, it is. And it is a real, literal place. It is the place that after Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and he died for the sins of the whole world, after 40 days after he arose from the dead being seen by many, the Bible said that he ascended back up into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Can I just share with you, he's not just sitting up there beside God the 
Father doing nothing, but he's making intercession for you and me on a daily basis. I like it when I don't know how to pray, and God knows how to pray for me. I don't know what words to use, but the Spirit groaneth. And God knows how to take the words and take it to our Heavenly Father because he knows what we need that's best. And if I ask God for something that's not good for me, he lets the Heavenly Father know that's not good for Dennis, but here is what's good for him. Aren't you glad that God looks after you and me even in our prayer life when we go to praying and seeking God? He ever makes intercession for you and me. But did you know faith is the biggest part of our Christian life? I mean, the Bible tells us in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. How many of us when we pray do you believe that God is? When you're praying for healing for somebody, do you believe that God is? When you're praying for somebody to get saved, do you believe that God is and that God can? It's part of faith. But notice the part of that verse. Not only believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of them that come to him every now and then. I think I read that wrong. I believe the Bible said of them that diligently seek him. Do you diligently seek him? (laughs) Do you diligently talk to him? Do you diligently spend time with him? Do you diligently tell him how much you love him? Do you diligently tell him how thankful you are for the many blessings he's bestowed upon your life? Do you diligently tell him, God, I love you, and I sure am grateful and thankful for all that you've done for me. Oh, that word diligence. And when you see the life of faith is a life that is a journey with God from the moment we get saved and it continues through this walk of life until we die and we leave this walk of life. It's that journey, that walk with God that has to be by faith. It's about learning to give up the... Lord have mercy, I'm wanting to leap but I can't. It's about giving up those things that we try to control that we never really controlled in the first place. Faith in God. Letting God have it. Saying, God, I can't, but you can. God, I no longer want to carry this, but I know you can carry this. God, I'm putting my life into your hands. In fact, did he not put his life out there when he died for us? The least we can do is give him our whole heart and let God have it. And all oh, that life of faith is a journey. And here in our text, we I'm, I'm having trouble, folks. Pray for me. I took a pain pill, and I had to. So if I say that Abraham was swallowed by a whale, don't mind me no bit. You say, but the Bible says it was Jonah. I'm having some trouble, but I'm not going to let the enemy have this one. 
When you look through the book of Hebrews chapters 11, you can plainly see quickly that the writer of Hebrews, in which we're really not sure who it was, but I believe it was Paul, but the writer of Hebrews here is talking about faith. And he begins to extol the virtues of faith as he begins to talk about Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham. And he talks about Abraham and Sarah. And boy, when he begins to talk about them, he begins to show us and extol those virtues of faith, of Abel. Now, that's in verses 4 through 12. But he opens this chapter up by telling us what faith is. He says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's why when we got saved, it had to be by faith because none of us was there the day that Jesus was crucified on the cross. None of us seen it with our eye, but God said it in his word, and by faith I believe it. By faith I know it. By faith he went to that cross. By faith he arose again. By faith I believe he ascended back up into heaven. By faith I believe he's coming back and by faith he's taken me to heaven it's all about faith faith we can't seem to wrap our minds around it because we tend to want to say I'll believe it if I see it but God says <laughs> oh he said you'll believe it just believe it just believe it you don't have to see it just believe it by faith and I'll show you. <laughs> Boy, I like it when he shows me. Through the pages of God's word. You see, the writer of Hebrews wants us to consider why these certain people did the things that they did. And why they decided to live in such a way that was different from the rest of the world. And so, if you'll notice, go back to chapters 10. And in chapters 10, verse 32 through 34, he gives us a description of the early days of the church when new believers were, they had encountered enormous hardships because of their faith. Notice what it says back in chapters 10, verse 32. You see, but call to remembrance... The former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great light of afflictions. Partly whilest ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilest ye became companions of them that were so used. Verse 34 has blessed my heart. God help me right here. For he had compassion of me in my bonds. Notice how they accepted all this. And took joyfully 
the spoiling of their goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Boy, what a description of heaven right there in verse 34. Can I just tell you what it's saying? Here's what it's saying. He's saying these new believers, why they encountered such huge hardships because of their faith, why they remain faithful in spite of the terrible sufferings in verse 32. In fact, they were exposed to public ridicule in verse 32. And they were persecuted in verse 32. In verse 33, they helped others who also had suffered the same way in verse 33. They showed sympathy to those who were thrown in jail in verse number 34. They lost all that they had in verse 34. Here's the kicker. But they accepted it all in joy. Now that's a hard thing to do, folks. That is a hard thing to do to accept it all in joy, with joy. You see, that's the hardest part of the whole thing. It's, in fact, it's a hard thing to do when life comes down on you. And when it feels like the whole world's collapsing in all around you to stand and to be able to say, I'm going to stand steadfast and I'm not going to turn back now, but I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus and I'm going to follow him no matter what. And I'm not going to give up when quitting would have been much easier. I'm just going to keep going and keep my eyes on the Lord. And oh, that's what these old believers, I believe, did. Oh, when we're faced with such things. But I like verse 34, knowing in yourselves. Did you know you and I can know in ourselves this morning that in heaven, Lord have mercy, we have a better and an enduring substance. In other words... <laughs> The reason why you could endure this was because you had something better a-coming. You had something that was going to last forever. Oh, that's why we can endure the things that we endure. You see, it's better than anything down here on, on this earth. And, and the things that we do have down here on this earth are not like heaven. Unlike he heaven lasts forever. And I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that's why we can give up what we have down here because we can't keep it anyway. And realize that something better's a coming that can't be taken away from us. God's give it to us. Man, I feel the helper. Oh, Lord, thank you. I tell you, when I get my mind on heaven, I just get so stirred up and so full thinking about Jesus. It ain't so much the place as it is the person because it's all about Jesus. Heaven is about Jesus. Heaven is about him. Seeing our loved ones is about Jesus. 
It's all about him. And when we get to thinking about it, here in our text, the writer of Hebrews interrupts this list of heroes that, that live by faith. But what was it to take us behind the scenes so we could ask some questions? You say, what do you mean? For instance, Abel, why did you, why did you offer a better sacrifice and end up getting killed by your brother Cain in verse 4? Enoch, why did you walk with God and then disappear in verse 5 and 6? Noah, why did you build an ark when everybody else except your own family thought you were nuts? In verse number 7, Abraham, why did you leave the security of the earth, the Chaldees, to tread off into the unknown? In verse 8, Abraham and Sarah, why in the world would you dream of having a baby when you're 100 years old and Sarah's 90? And you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to take us behind the scenes so we can... These are not just hypothetical questions. They take us to the very heart of why people did what they did, including the things that the world thinks is crazy and ridiculous. Faith. They don't understand faith. Boy, when you can get a hold of faith and faith gets a hold of you... It'll change your life. And I know it takes faith to get saved, but I'm going beyond that. I'm talking about living by faith and not by sight. And how many times do I fail him so when I get to living by sight and I don't get to living by faith and it causes me to doubt sometimes and it causes me to get in a place to where I can even fear. It causes me to get to the place where if I'm not careful I start complaining. I'm telling you when we get our eyes on him, faith is what pleases him. And I don't know about you, but that's one thing that's on the top of my list is pleasing my Lord. I want to please him every day. I want this church to please him. And I'm careful about what I say and careful about what God would have me to do each service and make sure that he's put his stamp of approval on it because I want to please him. I want to please him. You see... What is it? The answer right here in general, it's all about heaven. It's about keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. It's about pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus in Philippians 3.14. But why do we keep pressing on? Number one, three things quickly. Number one, because we live a different standard. We live a different standard. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. All of these people were living by faith when they died, and they did not receive the things promised. But they saw them and welcomed them from a distance. I want you to imagine that. They also admitted that they were what? Strangers and pilgrims down here. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I became a stranger down here. 
I mean, I watch the news and I hear strange things because I'm a stranger down here. I hear all of this wickedness and sin, and I'm thinking, how strange. Because I'm a stranger. You say, does that take you by surprise? No, it don't. The Bible tells us this old wicked world's going to get worse and worse. We've even got some strangeness going on in the White House. Strange things that don't even make sense. When you look at the world, it's strange because everything goes against the Bible. It goes against God. God can't be pleased with our nation. God is downhearted over our nation. But I'll tell you what, he still loves the nation. He still loves every heart. So he wants people to get saved you see, one of the things about it is when he saved you and me, we, don't, we can hate the sin, but he can put a love in your heart for that sinner that they get saved. And sometimes it's hard to love somebody. It's hard to love a rapist. It's hard to love somebody that's in prostitution. It's hard to love somebody that lives on drugs. It's hard to love somebody that abuses their family. But the Bible says that we're to love our enemies. We're to pray for them. Oh, it's hard. I'm preaching something now that is hard for me to do. I'm with you now. In fact, let me just, I'm not going to amen what I said. I'm going to say, oh, me what I said. Because it's hard to do, and you and I can't do it. But boy, the Lord can if we just let him flood our heart and soul. In other words, all these heroes lived and died, never fully entering into what God had promised them. Let me just give you an illustration here. It's like sailors in a boat out in the water. And if you've ever done some deep sea fishing, sometimes they'll take you out and you don't see any shorelines. But I'm talking about being out there and you can see the shoreline from a distance. And you can see it even though your ship hasn't came into the shores. But you can see it from a great distance and you shout out, There it is! What a beautiful land! And that's what these folks were in right here. They, they were looking at it and they could see it from a great distance. But, they, but all they could do was in, they had memories of a harbor on their mind that they hadn't reached yet. <laughs> I've got memories of a country that's better. A country that I haven't reached yet. But it's been good in the journey to be able to get a taste of it. To be able to read about it. To be able to study it. To be able to know that God's prepared a place for me in heaven. It's been good on the journey to know that somebody I love dearly that's passed away is in that place right now having a time and shouting the victory, walking the streets of gold, spending time with the master, knowing that I'm going to join them one of these days. I haven't reached it yet, but I've got the memories of the harbor on my mind. Oh, but they were by faith. We as God's children, by the way, we're strangers and pilgrims. This world is not our home and we're just a passing through. 
In fact, let me put it this way. We're from somewhere else. It's a realm that is not visible and touchable. But I think my Bible reminded me that I've got a card that says citizen of heaven. And you say, well, where's that at? Over in Ephesians chapters 2 verse 19. In fact, I think I'll take the time to go over there and read it just to smear it in the devil's face. I, I like this. Ephesians 2 verses, somebody gets there before me, just shout the verse out. Somebody got it. Somebody got it. There it is. Let's read it together. I told you I wasn't all here, but I am spiritually. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. I've got a card that says I'm a citizen of heaven. I've got to move on. I could go on with that first point. We live by a different standard. Number two, we die with a different hope. Notice verse 14 and 16. I'll not take time to read it again, but they're longing for a better country that is a heavenly one. John Wesley used to say, he used to say this, oh, that our people would die well. Now I want you to think about that. Dying well is something of a lost art in our day. Now we have grief. We have the grief recovery classes that will help somebody when they lose a lost loved one. But when's the last time you heard of people attending classes on how to die well? You don't hear about it, but we're supposed to know how to die well. And the Puritans saw things differently. In fact, they preached a great deal to their people on how to die well. That is... Faith, hope, and joy in the Lord. That is that abiding faith in Jesus Christ that takes you to the end of your life and it gives you a joyful testimony so that others who are watching, that's what you're leaving behind. They see the testimony of joy in your life. You see, we live down here knowing that we've got a better place, a better country, a better city that awaits us called heaven. <clears throat> I don't know if I can sing this. If I can, I'll just, I'll just tell it. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, Oh, Lord, what would I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. One of my favorite songs, I sung it at my, I think, at my grandmother's funeral. She loved that song. And you know, it's the vision of heaven that keeps us pressing on. It keeps us moving forward when it would be easier just to give up. You see, quitters and backsliders and complainers and compromisers always have an excuse. 
They always do. No one is more miserable than a child of God that's living in sin. You won't find nobody more miserable. They can't be truly happy and hanging around the devil's crowd living in sin. Why do we keep pressing forward? Why do we keep believing? Why do we keep going? Because we have expectations of something better coming. It's a better country, a better city, a better place. That's what keeps us going. I like what Titus chapters 2 verse 13 and 14 says. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. (laughs) Death for the believer is not what it is or will be for the unbeliever. When the believer dies at death, that means we're going home. We're going to be with the Lord in heaven. When an unbeliever dies, they step out into outer darkness where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and where they'll be in torments, I mean in pain, in torments, in the lake of fire forever and ever. I mean where the worm dieth not, neither is the fire quenched, and they'll be separated from God and from their loved ones who were saved. So death is different from the believer and the unbeliever. And you know what? We need to get saved if we're an unbeliever. We need to put our faith and trust in him. Oh, it'll be the best thing you ever did. Third, we look for a different reward. When we come to the last verse in verse 16, it is a word about our hope for the future. It's interesting because Hebrews 11, twice it mentions the ideal of a city in verse 10 and verse 16. It mentions the word city. Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker is God. Abraham was one of those who knew how to walk by faith. (laughs) I mean, he went out by faith, and he went on by faith, and he offered up by faith, and he looked for a city by faith. Abraham was a trailblazer of faith that you and I need to be in our day and time, somebody that walks by faith and lives by faith. But here's something that got me. God is not ashamed. Verse 16. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Have you ever wrapped your mind around that? You and I will sometimes be ashamed of others, but most often we are ashamed of ourselves. We look in the mirror and we say, how come you can't be a better person by now? And you ask God to forgive you and you repeat it. And here we are, I mean, we, in fact, let me write, let me read some of the things I wrote down. We lose our tempers. We eat too much. We say something unkind to somebody else. We exaggerate to make ourselves look good. We can't stop complaining. We neglect prayer. We live in sin secretly. We're harsh on our kids. We break our own vows to God. And if we look in the mirror long enough, 
we'll be ashamed of ourselves. But how is it that God is not ashamed to be our God when we are ashamed of ourselves? It's because it all entirely comes down to this, grace and mercy. <laughs> oh, thank God for the grace and mercy of God. A young pastor was just told, and I'm going to close, by the doctor that he was dying with cancer. And so it was during that time that God had given him some insight and he shared it with his congregation and he called it 20 seconds and the clock is running. And he went on to say this, he started out, he said, when you start out in the Christian life, you realize that you have a long way to go. But you think to yourself, I've got a lifetime to grow in grace. <laughs> Even though you know you'll never reach perfection in this life, you assume that over the years you'll grow much closer to God while you struggle with sin and bad habits and a long list of negative tendencies. You think someday I'm going to be a better person. But what if you don't live long enough to even make the elementary progress that you plan for your spiritual life? He was sharing this with his church. It was at that point that this young pastor gained wisdom and he realized I'm going, I am going to live long, I'm not going to live long enough. Things are not going to get any better. And he went on to say, I'm going to have to die the way that I am right now. Now, he then ties this in. Suddenly you look up at the scoreboard and where you thought you were in the middle of the second quarter with plenty of time left to go in the game, you realize that there's only 20 seconds on the clock and you're in the fourth quarter and the time, the clock is running. He said, what do you do then? It's either the grace of God or nothing at all. Now, one thing that he, God reached out to him on one verse of scripture that he gave him. And he said, God gave me insight into this verse. Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us or toward me. In that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He said, the reason I'm going to heaven is because in that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. And it became alive to him. Then he mentioned Romans 10, 11, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Hebrews eleven sixteen tells us God is not ashamed to be called our God. <laughs> you know what I got a hold of? In other words, God, Lord have mercy. Boy, I wish I could run right now. My heart, I'm, I'm leaping though in the spirit. In other words, God is not ashamed to be the God of such very imperfect people who trusted him by faith. Oh, I like that. He never looks down from heaven and says, you bunch of losers, why don't you get your act together? I'm finished with you. Oh, no, he doesn't. 
why do we keep going? Because there is no God like our God. And there's no Savior like Jesus. That's what helps me to keep pressing on because of Jesus. He's destined us for heaven, folks. And no matter how many mistakes we make along the way, His grace is sufficient to cover them all. Hallelujah. He died for us so that we might have life. Some of us are going to run triumphantly. And some of us are just going to stumble across the finish line. But we'll all make it by grace. (laughs) I like it. Oh, we'll all make it. That's what keeps me pressing on. When it would be easier to give up and quit. But here's what we need to do when life comes down on us. We need to say, Lord, I'm going to stand steadfast. And I'm not going to turn back now. And Lord, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on you. And I'm going to follow you no matter what. And I'm not giving up, devil. When quitting would have been easier. Because I've got something better a-coming. Something that's going to last forever. Something that can't be taken away from me. And devil, not even you can take it away from me. God has given me the victory. God has given me the tools and equipped me with what I need to defeat you. God is on my side. God has already won the victory. Get thee behind me, Satan. And keep pressing forward for the glory of God. Let's all stand. Father, I thank you so much for what you have given to us today. What you give to us through Sunday school. What you give to us in the main service. Lord, this dish that you set on your table this morning is priceless. Nothing on this earth is as great as what you've given us. Oh, God, I pray you'd help us. Lord, sometimes when quitting and giving up would be easier, God, help us to stay steadfast. Lord, I know coaches teach their ball teams Even though we're behind by so many points, guys, don't give up. Don't quit. Keep going. Give all that you've got. God, help us to give all that we have as your children till we leave this walk of life and we step into your presence. Lord, I can't help but think of somebody that may not be saved. I pray today would be the day of salvation. Oh, save that soul that's nearest hell. In Jesus' name, heads bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder, did I describe you this morning? Do you feel like that things, have, the life's come down on you and it feels like the whole world's collapsing in all around you? And it's hard sometimes to get up and say, I'm just going to keep going. But we can't keep going. God's the one that gives us the strength to keep going. 
And you say, Brother Dennis, God spoke to me this morning in the message and encouraged my heart on keep pressing on. And I need you to pray for me. God knows what it is, and you'd slip your hand up and back down. Is there anybody like that? Several hands. Several hands. Is there anybody here that would say, Preacher, I'm not saved? If I died right now, I'm not sure whether I'd go to heaven or not. But would you remember me in prayer? Would you slip your hand up and let me pray for you? Oh, I'd be so, I'd be honored to go to the throne room on your behalf for your salvation. You'd get saved. As the altars open, you just mind the Lord. If He wants you to come and pray, you come and pray. We've got several in our church that are sick and they need somebody that'll go to the throne room of grace and pray for them on their behalf. You and I need that. We need somebody praying for us. As we sing, you mind the Lord. There's glory in my soul Says Jesus to control He placed within my heart A happy song The joy will sweetly ring While of his love I sing
heart heavy. I, I feel like I need to pray. And I've got a lot of people on my heart and mind in this church that heavy burden that only God can do. And I feel so impressed just to pray. Oh God. Lord, I don't have the words to say. But Lord, I do know you know my heart towards certain people, Lord, that need prayer. They need help. They need healing. And Lord, I'm glad you know how, what we mean when we pray, when we pray it. Lord, I can't help but lift up some of our family here at church in prayer, and I pray for Blake. God, we ask you to intervene to heal Blake. By faith, I believe, Lord, I know you can do it. By faith, I believe you can heal him. By faith, I know you can. And I ask you to reach down and touch Blake. Heal him, Lord, of these anxieties. Heal him of his stomach pain. God, I pray that he would be 100% and feeling good by the time Randy gets home. I just want to put a time on it. Lord, maybe I shouldn't do that, but Lord, I ask you if you would choose to do it. But Lord, if you don't, Lord, we don't understand what you're doing, but we know that you're, what you're doing's best. We just keep trusting you. I pray for Lynn. Lord, I ask you to touch her, and Lord, it was good to talk to her this morning. Lord, she gave me some good news that she might get to go home today. They gave her some medicine for her seizures, and Lord, I thank you for that. I'm so glad that it wasn't anything more serious than what it could have been. And I pray you touch Lynn, bring healing to her. I pray for Brother Joe. Lord, I know you touched him this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to touch him. I pray for the back pain that Audrey's having. God, make it go away. I pray for the back pain that Vera's had. God, that you'd make it completely go away. Oh, we call on you because you are the great physician. Lord, you can do more. than our minds could ever fathom. Lord, I pray for burdens in here right now. I know people's carrying heavy burdens. Oh, God, help them to lift those burdens. Be with people that are in financial struggles and strains. God, I pray you'd meet the need. Be with those physically, Lord, that battling diseases, God, that you might help them and touch them. Touch our church.
God that we could see great things take place in these days to come. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving me strength, for helping me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. somebody to close more I like it <laughs> next week our choir will be back hitting that a blessing the choir will be back today at 430 we'll be having a deacons meeting it's the only way I know how to get some composure oh and our men at 5 o'clock, we've got some things to go over, but I'm just thankful for what he's doing right now. <laughs> oh, Brother Shane, you come and close, brother. God bless you. Brother Shane, come on up here, brother. <laughs> oh, let the, Holy, let the Holy Ghost have his way. Y'all may be seated. Yes, sir.
say, let me say that at at his workplace, we got was putting diesel fuel in my tank, and as we got behind the pickup where the fuel's going, he said, Terry, I'd like for you to pray for me and lay your hands on my neck. And we'd talked about this for months, and he's going this Wednesday, I believe, Thursday. Thursday. And I knew his situation. I knew Dr. Brooks at, at Central Baptist at Lexington. He had worked on my daddy, and he's 74 years old. And he's going to be looking at Mike's neck, and he's got a bad place going right up to the neck. It's real hard. And as I prayed for him, I just asked the Lord to take care of it right there behind that pickup. And I know the Lord's going to take care of Mike. And I said, Mike, if you can come to church. I looked around several times. I didn't want to stare at people. I didn't know he was here. But I was going to stop Brother Dennis for you, dismiss, and have a special prayer for you. And he beat me to it. The Lord knows what he's doing. The Lord knows what he's doing. And he told me about his elderly dad for four or five months. And I go about every two weeks, had to get fuel for my tractors and stuff. And I know the Lord's going to take care of Mike and that he's got a good doctor, but he's got the best doctor right up here. <laughs> Amen. So let's pray for Mike this morning. Heavenly Father. Lord, you know we've already had prayer, Lord, but we know we can't pray too much, Lord, because you loved us, and you love us so much, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you just take Mike, Lord. Take this place on his neck, Lord, and his family, and just take it. Surround him with your healing spirit, God. I pray you touch him this morning with your your love and your mercy and your grace. And he goes before the doctor, Lord. We know you have the power to take this away before he even goes. But, Father, I just pray you'd be with him and all of his family. Be with his elderly parents, Lord, and just be with them, God. And touch Mike in a special, special way, Lord. And I pray and I thank you so much that he's back with us this morning, Lord. And I pray you continue to bless him, Jesus. Fill his heart with your mercy and your love. And let him be taken care of, Lord, in your way. Not our way. It's always your way. And you're the right one. In Jesus' name we pray. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Bless you, buddy. Okay. Okay. Brother Dennis said you're liberty to go. So see you this evening. Now let's keep praying for this man right here. He's in pain this morning. Amen.